Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. You may be seated. Amen. I want to ask you to open your Bibles up again to the book of Matthew chapter 24, and I'm just going to read that to us today to kind of rehearse of what's going on. Now, if you're new here or you're watching my stream for the first time, we've been doing a series here on what's happening in the world, but especially what's happening in America. We've been doing a series called Reading the Signs of God, Rapture or Revival. Now, what I'm going to share at the end of this is I want to say this. Nobody knows when the Messiah is coming. Can I have an amen on that? No man knows the day nor the hour. But the Bible does tell us that we'll see birth pangs. And we all know this, but for those who are new, we, we, when, a, when, a, when a, a lady, is a mother is about to have a child, she has signs. And these signs are there so that we get ready. In Hebrew, it's called ikvot. Mashiach, the footsteps of the Messiah. You hear, you hear these footsteps, knowing the Messiah is is on his way. And you know, when I started this series, I, the footsteps were kind of like. But in the last eight weeks, there, I think we're close. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen in two weeks. I don't know if it's going to happen in two years. I don't know if it's going to happen in 10 years or 20 years. I don't think it'll happen that far out. But I do know that when the Messiah comes, he wants the church so ready that we are a glorious bride without spot and without wrinkle, living under the anointing and the power of God. So let's look at Matthew chapter 24, just some of the things that Jesus talked about, and we'll we'll just kind of glean over them and then get into the main part of the message uh, at the end. Verse uh, Verse 1, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings, uh, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Or surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, let me just stop right there. Everybody knows this, but if you go to Jerusalem, and I've been 37 times, I think, if you go to Jerusalem, you'll see the fulfillment of this scripture. Here's the beautiful Solomon's temple. I mean, this thing is magnificent. And Jesus is pointing to it, and he said, I want you to understand, there's a time coming that not one stone will be left on top of another. And the destruction of the second temple, and it's important that you understand that, the destruction of the second temple took place after the resurrection of Jesus. The Roman Empire realized they could not control the Jews. They could not get them to bow their knee or bow their heart to the Roman Empire. And so they changed the name of Judea and Samaria of Israel to Palestine. 
That's where, that's where the, they changed it so that the name of Israel, the name of Judea and Samaria would not be known to the world. You can't write it on a map. You can't talk about it. You can't write it in doctrine. That's where the name Palestine came from. And then they destroyed, they took the stones of the temple and threw them off the western wall and off the temple mount. And the destruction of the temple took place, the second temple, exactly the way Jesus is talking about. It really did happen. This isn't a fairy tale. This really did happen. Matter of fact, a friend of mine who... um, who runs uh, the City of David excavation, sent Tiz and I a letter, and we just got it a couple days ago, and he said they have found an inscription there that comes out of, I think it was Second Kings, and where the king was looking at hard times against Israel, and he wrote, uh, uh, wrote the, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. And he sent Tiz and I a piece of pottery from the time of the destruction of the temple and to remind us no matter what we're facing, this too shall pass. Let me add to this. Not only will this pass, but our best is yet to come. Amen. So this is not a fairy tale. This really did, this really did happen, and you can see it. Verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciple came to him privately saying, Tell us when these things will be. And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Stop right there. And we've gone over this, but just so everybody's on the same page. They've gone from Jesus saying in his first coming, the temple will be destroyed. That happened exactly the way Jesus said it would happen. Then they jump all of a sudden 2,000 years. And they said, what is going to be the sign of your coming? Not the first coming. He's already there. They're talking to him. It's amazing how Christians get this mixed up. This is not the first coming. This is the second coming. Jesus can't come when he's already there. And what will be the sign of the end of the age? Now, it's important that you hear that word. Everybody say age. Because this is going to amaze you when we get to the end of this. The end of the age. Not the end of the world. The end of the age. Now watch this. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now we talked about last week or the week before, we talked about lawlessness in the streets. But lawless in the streets, physical lawlessness, follows spiritual lawlessness. And he says, in the church, there will be leaders who will say, Jesus is the Christ. We love Jesus. We love you. We love you, Lord. But we'll deceive you. When I first got saved, when we heard that, many will come and say, I'm the Christ. We thought these were false prophets who would say, Jesus wasn't the Christ, I'm the Christ. No, he's giving us a warning that there will be church leaders who are saying, Jesus is the Christ, but their teachings will be deception. Matter of fact, I like what Jude uh, 3 says. He said, they'll creep in amongst them, amongst us. I I like that word, they crept in amongst us. It's a big, this is a big issue today because there's a lot of religious leaders that are saying we don't need to worry about the Ten Commandments. We don't need to worry about, we don't need to worry about the Ten Commandments, the laws of God. 
The Bible says in the last days, there'll be a great falling away. When I first got saved, that great falling away, we were taught that that means the churches will be empty. I don't believe that. The great falling away is the churches will be full, but they've fallen away from the laws of God. You say, oh, well, pastor, that would never happen in the kingdom of God. It's happening in America. Show me, one, show me one elementary school. Show me one high school that has the laws of God. When I, when I first, went, first went to school, you walked in. There was I can remember to this day. You walked in. There was a principal. Fear the principal is the beginning of wisdom. Then the next thing you saw was the Ten Commandments. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen? Those are gone. We just had a national convention of a certain party that did the Pledge of Allegiance and left out twice. Left out twice, one nation under God. We are becoming a lawless generation in the streets because we are becoming a lawless generation in our government, in our schools, and in our churches. We have pastors saying that we don't need to follow any. I, I, I had one pastor, and he did everything but name me and said, anybody who is teaching the laws of God, the laws like thou shalt not worship any other God, how about thou shalt not commit adultery, how about thou shalt not steal, anybody that teaches any of the laws of God except this law, love one another, is a heretic. Well, let me say this. I'm not the heretic. Because even though I'm saved by grace, Paul said, though we're saved by... And, 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 and uh, you know, a, a lot of these guys are on. Well, when we sin, grace abounds. If we, if we, I, I mean, this is on television now. If we, if we don't sin, grace doesn't abound. Paul said, yes, where there is sin, grace does that much more abound. You know what that means is? That means that those who are forgiven much, loveth much. I, didn't, I wasn't born in church. I wasn't raised in church. I was raised in the streets. I was a gang member. I was a drug dealer. I was a drug addict. And when I felt the grace of God, I want you to know I'm never going back. I'm not going to be the dog that returns to his vomit. That's what it means. But Paul said, yes, where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound. Should we then sin? God forbid. God forbid. You can't preach part of the Bible. You've got to re- preach the whole thing. All right, let's keep going so I can finish this for once. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. You know, when we, when we, when we think of wars and rumors of wars, we automatically think national wars. We've got wars going on in cities. Our cities are at war. And there are certain government leaders that are not only... Allowing it, as I said on the announcement, they're encouraging it. But he said, don't be troubled. Don't worry about it. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning. Now, in some Bibles, it says sorrows. In other Bibles, it says birth pangs. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Now, 
we've all, remember in Judaism, everything you study, everything you read has a lesser and a greater. So we read this in Jesus' first coming, and he's talking to his disciples. And he said, they will hate you and persecute you and want to kill you because of me. We'll go now to the second coming where we've been grafted in. And now all of a sudden, it's not just the Jews that are, that are being hated. It's the children, it's Christians, it's every child of God. We have been grafted into that same persecution. All of a sudden, because we believe men ought to marry women and women ought to marry men, we believe that you ought not fornicate, you ought not commit adultery, we believe that you ought not smoke dope, we believe that you ought to live morally for the kingdom of God. Now, all of a sudden, we're the bad guys. You understand that? We're the bad guys. Well, that's hate speech. That's not hate speech. Woman, where are your accusers? None here. Neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. That's the love of God. So when you read this, understand when we stand up for Jews around the world, we're also standing up for Christians. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness, without the law, without the law, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Because of, and and we, we talked about lawlessness in the streets. We talked about lawlessness in the church. This is lawlessness in the kingdom of God. Because all of a sudden the kingdom of God is not teaching right and wrong. He who knows to do right and does not, to him that's sin. You know, I I shared in opening, I come out early and I open up and I ask for prayer requests and stuff. And I told, said in the opening, I said, I was watching, uh, I had uh, Dr. Jeremiah on while I was getting ready to come to church. And I I don't know exactly what he was teaching on, but he said, made a statement. He said, he said, your children or grandchildren, do they have a better chance of being a Christian or less of a chance of being a Christian because you're their parents. In other words, what are they seeing at home? And so we, we need to understand, yes, we're saved by grace. But once we're saved by grace, we don't cheat on our husband. We don't cheat on our wife. We don't steal. We don't rip people off in a business deal. We're to live according to the laws of God. That's not legalism. The word law, the word law in Hebrew means the path. You got a blessing. There, there's a, where, where my brother is standing right there is the blessing of God. And so we want to get to the blessing. And so God gives us the law, the pathway, the guidance if the blessing's over there and we're in the dark, we, we could stumble around and eventually find it. But if we just get on the path, listen, I'm, I'm not, you know, we had a couple in our church here. Uh, I'm, I maybe not say what their name is, but last week, 
He's an African-American. She's a white lady. And last week, for their business, they sowed a substantial seed. I mean, substantial seed because they know seed time than harvest time. That's not legalism. You know, you, you can be a farmer and go, I don't need to plant no seed. I'm believing in God. And God goes, I love the water, but all you got is dirt. They planted the seed Sunday, put it in my hand. Monday, they called uh, Tiz and said, man, we got this huge deal coming through. Friday, going into Shabbat, they said, it's done already. See, that's not legalism. That's, that's a path. Love people. Forgive people. Be kind to people. That's not legal. I don't have to. I'm under grace. Yeah, you're under grace. But if you don't forgive, God can't forgive you. Well, I'm already forgiven. Yeah, but you got this week coming. And you're going to mess up somewhere. I feel myself going off on a side road here. Where am I? What, what, what verse am I? Huh? 13. But he who endures to the end, the love of many will grow cold. All right, so l- let me just say that. Because, because leaders are not teaching the word of God, the laws of God is not legalism. The, law, the, law, the word law in Greek means legalism. The word law in Hebrew means a guidance, a pathway to the blessing of God. But because we stop teaching the laws of God, those who are sitting in the pews, their love for God grows cold. And what did the Lord say? He said, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. I would that you're hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm. All right, I got to keep going to get to the good stuff. Verse 13, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, you will see the abomination of desolation spoken by the Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. All right, so what we're talking about is the high holidays are a, a shadow of things to come. Passover was a shadow. Jesus began to Passover lamb. It went from a shadow to the real thing. When the shadow is there, it does what the real thing will do. It's the same thing, only it's for a year, not for eternity. Everybody understand that, right? Then you go 50 days into Pentecost, Shavuot. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. On Shavuot, God, the same day in Hebrew, God gave the Bible. On the day of Pentecost, God gave the Holy Spirit. Same day, not a, not, not a day before, a day after in that era, on the same day. Then you have, the next thing is the month of Elul, the birth pangs the footsteps of the Messiah, the blowing of the shofar, the sounding the alarm, the, the, the lawlessness in the streets, the lawlessness in the church, um, 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 the virus, all these things are the shofar blowing. Shake your head if you understand that. 
in the days of Jesus, they would stand on the temple mount and blow the shofar and people would hear it. And, and, and they would grab their shofar and blow it that, uh, down the valley. So the ones who weren't close enough to Jerusalem, that's what, that's reason why God is telling us these things so that we wake up, but then we go and wake up our neighbors and our family and let them know what's going on. Amen. So you have the month of Elul. That's the birth thing. That's the footsteps of the Messiah. Then you have what we have in two weeks. You have Rosh Hashanah. That's the rapture and the Rosh Hashanah. No man knows the day or the hour. Rosh Hashanah is not a 24-hour period. It's a 48-hour period. In two weeks, we're going to celebrate Rosh Hashanah here in the church. On Rosh Hashanah is symbolic, in my opinion, I might be wrong, but in my opinion, it's the rapture. Then after the two days of Rosh Hashanah, then you have the uh, seven days till Yom Kippur. From the rapture to the second coming, you have seven years. The first three and a half years, the Antichrist will come as the answer to all the world's problems. At the end of the three and a half years, he will be on the Temple Mount. There will be unity of religion. One world religion. All the religions coming together. We talked about Chrislam. We talked about all these things. And we'll come together, but there'll be a mixture of occultism involved. It'll be Christianity and Islam. We talked about Chrislam. But you see in a lot of some churches right now, not only an embracing of Chrislam. One, one church leader in Europe said, I think we ought to stop calling God God and we ought to call him Allah. What's in a name? Well, what's in a name is my Bible doesn't say Allah. But for the sake of peace. And then there will be some cult, uh, occultism thrown in. All right. So this is the one world, world religion. I got to keep going. I'm going to run out of time. Let him who was on the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house. Let him who was in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those with nursing babies in those days. And pray pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath. Then there will be a great tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the world or until this time, nor ever shall be. Unless those days were shortened, there... uh, I've written in my Bible so much. What does it say? In, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be short. All right. So real quick, just to, just to lead you into where we're going. So you have Rosh Hashanah, the rap, you have the month of Elul, the birth pangs, the footsteps of Messiah, the blowing of the shofar, the waking up. Then you have the rapture. Okay, after the rapture, you have seven years to the tribulation. In the middle of three and a half years, you have the, you have the false prophet, the head of the one world church, put the Antichrist, Satan's, Satan's Messiah, on the throne. He'll look like he's the Savior, but at the end of three and a half years, he will commit the abomination of desolation. Now, I think I know what that is. I, I'm not saying I do, but I think I know what it is. I'm not even going to say it. But something that the word abomination, desolation means something that cannot be reversed. So I think instead of it being a lamb sacrificed on the Temple Mount, I think it will be something else. 
And it will be, I'm that close to saying it, it will be the abomination desolation and he will show himself to be the messenger of Satan. At that point, if you miss the rapture, or if you, if you miss, and I hate to say this, your, your children miss. If we miss the rapture, then you have to make a decision in either letting the Antichrist mark you with the mark of the beast. What is the mark of the beast? You cannot buy or sell. Now, I, I think I told you last week or a couple of weeks ago, National Geographic just put a thing out that uh, we're coming close to a uh, vaccine for the virus. And um, it's going to be totally up to you whether you want to take it or not. Now, this is National Geographic. But if you don't take it, the odds are you won't be allowed into a grocery store. You won't be allowed into a hardware store. You won't be allowed into school. You won't be allowed. It's up to you, but you won't be able to allow at this time, it says if you take that mark, you take it knowingly, and that is your heart and your spirit saying, I am going to serve the Antichrist. So the reason why God tells us these things is before we ever th- even have to think about serving anyone besides the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Make sure we haven't taken the mark in our heart. So how do I do that? Don't, Washington, D.C. is not Jehovah Jireh. Wall Street is not Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Jireh, your provider. And once again, when it comes to the election, vote your faith. Now, I'm going to say this. One of the things that the Bible says is that as leaders, we're not to hold back God's word because of the looks on your face. In other words, if I'm in the flow and I'm feeling the anointing and you're... That's why, that's why preachers say, in closing, which is a lie. I can remember standing up against Obama. I did not. I told our people, I wish, I wish President Obama would have been a black woman, Jewish, spoke French and, uh, and Spanish and everything. But I said, I, I, I've stood against racism. Tiz and I have every church we built. We have stood against racism. Racism is the most ignorant thing on the planet. You cannot hate me because I'm a different color or hate. That's that's ignorance because every one of us are made in the image of God. White people, black people, brown people, beige people, yellow people, long haired people, no haired people. We're all made in the image of God. It's insanity to be color coded. It's it's the highlight of ignorance. But I stood against Obama as a leader because Obama was pro-abortion. And I cannot be, you know, there are Jewish leaders that are, I would never vote for them. You can't, you, you have to vote your faith. 
You can't vote a party. You can't vote a person. You got to vote the Bible. Does that make sense to you? And I had 3,000 people get up and walk out. We were in the old building. Balcony was full. Bottom was full. I had 3,000 people get up and walk out. But you know, when I stand before God, I'm going to give account. And I'm not against, I'm not against anybody. I'm not against anybody. But we cannot, when, when Jesus said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know what he's talking about? Gehenna. Right below the Temple Mount, the Valley of Gehenna, where they sacrificed babies. Because God said, woe unto anyone who sheds innocent blood. And, and, and we need to be people that understand. 60, how many babies have we aborted? 60 million. 60 million babies that have been aborted. We can't vote for somebody like that. Amen. All right. I've, I've, I've already got myself in trouble. But you know what? If, if that upsets you, you're not going to make it in my church anyway. Because I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. If you are pro the killing of innocent children, I cannot support you. I cannot support you. Because those lives matter also. Those lives matter to God. Those babies have a soul. And now we're allowing abortion up to nine months? We're, we've spent the last two years fighting, all of you with us, fighting for lion's life. Shouldn't we fight for ones who are born a day before that? Or a day early? All right. So I've, I've already, you've already decided whether you're coming back or not. Verse 25, see, I've told you beforehand that there, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. All right, I'm going to, for the sake of time, I've got to skip all that. So we've shown you all these signs of the second coming. Go with me to the book of Revelations. I got 22 minutes. Go with me to the book of Revelations. And, and I think it's important, chapter 20, I think it's important that we review these things so that we, we don't just pass through them one Sunday and then forget about them. I think it's important that we understand where we are on God's timetable. I mean, this is, this is, let me say again, when I read what I'm about to read you, no man knows when Jesus is coming. I do believe he's coming in my lifetime because once Israel becomes a nation, we have one generation. And in that sense, a generation is from those who are born at that time to the coming of Messiah. Israel became a nation in 1948. I was born in 1950. That's right, I'll be 70 years old. November 15th, by the way. My, birth, my birthday is November 15th. I'll be 70, my birthday. On November 15th. <laughs> what day? Thank you. Where was I? So he's going to come in our journey. We don't know when. I'm, my mom is uh, almost 93 years old. So if I follow my mom, I, well, I got 23 more years. But, but somewhere between now and then, the Messiah is coming. I believe that in all my heart. But I want, if it, it, what, what if he gives us 23 years? I want it full of joy and happiness and peace and prosperity and abundance and peace on earth. And so... 
Read with me in, in Matthew or in Revelations chapter 20. Um, just a few verses, starting with verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Now, I could go on, but I went too long on the other part. Let me show you the scenario. So we have the rapture. We have the seven years of three and a half years of peace, three and a half years of unbelievable tribulation. During the tribulation, a quarter of the world will be killed by the Antichrist. A quarter of the world. Then we have the second coming. And then we have the wedding supper of the Lamb. The wedding supper of the Lamb is taken in heaven. But at the, at the end of, at, at the second coming, the next moment, God grabs Satan and throws him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Now, I wasn't even going to teach this, but we were talking in back with, uh, with Derek and Pastor John and Pastor Scott and, and Donnie and, uh, they said, you know, I think most Christians don't understand God's calendar with the thousand years. So the thousand years that Satan is put into the bottomless pit, for that thousand years, God releases on every one of us that that made heaven our home, he releases unlimited joy, unlimited uh, uh, abundance, unlimited uh, peace, unlimited health, unlimited resources. It, it is, it is heaven. Amen. Not, not, not the very end of it, but it is, everything is beyond what we can imagine. Amen. But that thousand years is called in the Bible, the Sabbath millennium. A millennium is, as you know, a thousand years. And so that thousand years, that Sabbath millennium begins at the very end of the 6,000th millennium. Now, without getting into it too much, you got to understand the number seven. Seven is the Sabbath rest. Seven is the uh, uh, Shemitah. Seven is the harvest. Seven is the abundance. Seven is uh, when, when you get a Torah portion. If, if a word, if a root of a word, Hebrew word, is in that Torah portion seven times, there's a secret blessing that God wants you to discover. Seven, uh, seven days in the week, uh, and we could go on and on. Um, seven places Jesus shed his blood. On Yom Kippur, the high priest would take the blood into the Holy of Holies to release the power, and he would sprinkle it how many times? seven times. So the Sabbath millennium is what we're waiting for. So the question is, how close are we to the Sabbath millennium? Well, let me just show, I got 17 minutes. Let me show you a couple numbers. First off, we we remember when we talked about, um, and once again, I am not saying when the Messiah comes. Nobody knows. He could come today. He could come 
uh, 20 years from now, or if I live to be 130 years from now, he could come anytime. Say amen. amen. I am not saying when the Messiah comes, but I want to show you some things that are interesting. And in ancient Hebrew, there's no word for. So can you guys put up uh, the number 250? The number 250, as you remember, is history says most great empires last about 250 years. Now, not necessarily 250 years. Some are 244, some are 252. But historically, most empires collapse after 250 years or have a resurgence of greatness. Okay, so where is America? America is at 244 years right now. Can you put up 244 years? So we're at 244 years. 244 from 250 gives us six years, right? Now, once again, I am not saying in six years the Messiah is coming. I am not saying that. I'm just showing you something interesting. Now, we look at that. And, you know, I was at home a few weeks ago and I told Tiz, I said, you know, I want to study this because as you know, the Hebrew calendar is different than the Christian calendar. On the Hebrew calendar, we're at the year 5,780, if you can put that on. The Hebrew calendar right now today, we are on the Hebrew calendar 5,780. So if we're looking at the Sabbath millennium coming, we're, we're a couple hundred years plus away from that. So could that be true? Well, several years ago, I read an article and I went back and researched it. I read an article called The Missing Years. And archaeologists, the way the Hebrew calendar gets us at 5,780 years from the time of Adam to Abraham to, to present day, the way they get there, a big portion of that is uh, the destruction of the first temple, the rebuilding of the second temple, and the words of Jesus that we talked about when Jesus said, they said, when would be the sign of your coming? And he said, not one stone will be left on top of another. And so the, the question was, are those from the first temple, the, the building of the first temple to the destruction of the second temple, Matthew 24, what is the timeline of that? And interesting, several years ago, archaeologists came up and discovered some things and they said, we think we're off on the timeline. And since then, many rabbis, Orthodox rabbis have come up and said, we think we're off on that too. We think we're missing 213 years on the calendar. So I looked at that and I said, well, 213 years plus 5,780 years gets us to 5,900 and 93 years, right? And I said, well, you know, go ahead and put that up. 5,000, five, 5, well, take that off. 5,993 years. And I, and I told Tiz, I said, well, you know, we're looking at the 250 years, 44 minus that six years. 
this is seven years, that's pretty close. And then the Lord spoke to me. And he said, when I do things, I do them exactly. And he said, in two weeks, we hit Rosh Hashanah. And in two weeks, we go to 5,781 years on the Hebrew calendar. If you add 5,781 years to 213 years, you come up with 5,994 years, which is, once again, six years to the Sabbath millennium. You can't make that up. Do you get it? Now, once again, let me say, no man knows the day or the hour. We could be off years and years on this. But in ancient Hebrew, there's no coincidence. If you're pregnant and you go, "Eh, oh, uh, oh, it's just a coincidence. Probably not. It is a sign to get our attention. And so when I saw this, I, you know, and, 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 I, and I realized, man, w- w- what if we are heading into the Sabbath millennium? What if we're heading into the Sabbath millennium? What if we're off a year or two? Whatever it is, come this Rosh Hashanah. I was on a phone call between, once again, this week, between Washington, D.C. and Jerusalem. And I can't tell you what was talked about, but amazing things. Watch this week from the Mideast. Amazing things are happening. I can't tell you what they are. But all of a sudden, you're looking at Arab countries who are saying Israel is our friend. We need to tear down the BDS movement. We need to join in with Israel. We need to be partners with Israel. We need to love Israel. And they did, on Monday, they did the first flight, not only from Tel Aviv to Abu Dhabi, but Saudi Arabia said, you know what, fly over our country. It's okay. First time in history. So we'll pass the layer, and, and you watch what happens this week and next week. Think, what does this mean? I believe it means that we're, get, remember, all this is a shadow of things to come. I believe 100% that the Messiah could come today. I believe that 100%. I also believe that we might have 10 or 20 years till he comes. But in that, I believe that when he comes, those of us who have eyes to see and ears to hear, that we're going out a glorious bride without spot, without wrinkle, no debt, no financial problems, no sickness, no disease. We're going out with signs and wonders and miracles. The wealth of the wicked is being put. Think, think, think about this. Now remember, there's a, the wealth of the wicked be put in the hands of the righteous. Who are the richest people in the Mideast? The oil people. And all of a sudden, they're saying, we don't want peace with Israel. We want normalization with Israel. We want to come in business with Israel. We want our business and Israel's business to come together. All of a sudden, enemies are coming together. And you know why that's happening? Because you and I are standing with the nation of Israel. We're tearing down the wall that divides. Let me remind you of something as we close. I have 10 minutes as we close. Pastor Scott and I were pulled into a meeting with a security leader of Israel. And he said, Pastor Larry, please keep teaching what you're teaching. 
because we know that Muslims are watching, Christians are watching, Jews are watching. You're giving the world, your, your church is giving the world a Jesus that all the world can embrace, that all the world can, can, can love. And all of a sudden we're realizing, you know what? We're not enemies. All of a sudden we are coming together. The, wall, the wall's not totally down, but it's down several blocks and we're reaching over and we're shaking hands. And now look at all the rest of the world that are coming in. And they're going to realize that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is accessible to everyone and to every Gentile outside of Israel. It's accessible through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Our best. Guys, this is, this, this is not... This is a blowing of the shofar saying you better have your life right with God. But it's, I don't believe it's just so that you can make the rapture. I believe it's so that you can be part of the revival that God is getting ready. He may come tomorrow, but if not, I guarantee you, he's opening the book and he wants to make sure your name is written and he rewards you for what you've done for the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, when he rewards it won't even compare with anything this world has. Literally, our best is yet to come. Do you receive that this morning? I like to have every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Just give me a few minutes. Folks, this is amazing times. Listen to me. Maybe the rapture will take place. I- I'm not saying it's not. I am not saying it's not. We need to be ready for the rapture because if the rapture takes place, it doesn't matter how much gold you have, how much silver you have, how big a house you have. It doesn't matter. You, you don't want to be here. But let's say you're already saved. You're already serving God. We're going to see next week. We're going to see next week that there's going to be a lot of people that make heaven their home, but they're going to be really disappointed. They're going to be really disappointed because... God has given us a mission, every one of us. The moment we're conceived, he gives us a mission to make the world a better place. To tikkun olam, to heal a broken world. God wants you to be a part of this. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know what? I have received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But I've kind of become a little lukewarm. And I want to make sure if I could have some piano with me. I want to make sure that my heart, my life, everything is right with the kingdom of God. So as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you'd say, Pastor Larry, um, I want to make sure my life is right with God. Maybe you're here today and you would say, um, you know what, I'm backslid or I've never received Jesus as my Savior. Just right there in your seat, you would... Say, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? I want to sure, make sure my heart is right with God. God loves us so much. He doesn't sneak up on us. If you're here today or you're watching from somewhere in the world, and I know there's tens of thousands of you watching right now, you're watching for a reason. Because God has ordained this so that you could hear the blowing of the shofar through these teachings. And you would realize that I need to have my life right with God. So as every head is bowed, every eye is closed in this building and around the world, you're here and you say, Pastor Larry, would you remember me in prayer? I'm giving my heart to the Lord.
I'm giving my heart back to God. Slip your hand up all over the building and God will see you right in your seat and hold it up there for the whole time. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Just keep it up. That hand, 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 that hand. Just keep it up. That hand, God bless you. 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 Lift it real high. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. That hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. That hand, God bless you. Anybody else wave it at that hand, God bless you. Anybody else wave it at that hand, God bless you. Thank you. That hand, give that hand, God bless you. Give them a great big clap offering, would you please? We're so proud of you and God sees your hand. Would you stand with me all over the building and we're gonna pray together. Can I, can I lighten the moment up a little bit? It's amazing how many times once I start, I, I'll say, if you want to give your life to the Lord, if you want to give your life to the Lord, raise your hand. And it's amazing how many times nobody raises their hands. And then somebody, I always start from the right and go to the left. And then somebody will raise their hand, two or three. I go, oh, that hand, that hand. And as soon as they say that hand, that hand, that hand, then hands start going up. It's like, I don't want to be the only one. Somebody will know I'm a sinner. Let me help you with this. Everybody knows. There's none righteous. No, not one, except his, except his. But that's, that's the sheep mentality. That's the herd mentality. But you know, in these days, you're going to have to make a stand on your own. And, and I do that. I mean, and, and I know I've been doing this for over 40 years. And, and as soon as I say, I see that hand, then other hands go up. So if nobody's raising their hand and a baby goes, reaches for its bottle, I go, I see that hand. And it just spurs it. It just spurs it. You know, in Billy Graham's crusades, he would have people positioned on the altar call that start coming forward. Workers. And then a third of the way through, more workers would come. Then halfway through, more workers would come. And, and what we do is we go, Meh. because we follow the crowd. That's in us. That'll always be in us. Make sure you follow the crowd that's following Jesus. Make sure you're following the crowd that's following the shepherd because he is a good shepherd. And a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Follow him because he loved us so much that he gave his life. Amen. Let's close our eyes and let's pray together. And you that are watching by stream, I wish we could come and lay hands on you. Look at me a second. Let me share something. When I said that, I wish I could. I I thought about sharing this with you. I I never want to sound super spiritual. But like when I'm praying for someone and they're not there, like if it's Lion or Tiz or one of my kids or one of you guys get a hold of us and say, I need prayer. I, if I was with you, I'd put my hands on you. Lay hands on the sick. There's power in laying on of hands. But if I'm not with you or like if we're praying for you here, or, uh, I, sounds strange. I, I feel my hand. I can feel it right now. I feel my hands on your face. I, I can feel it. I can feel I, before the Lord. I can feel it in my hands right now. And so, whether you're here or whether you're here, understand those nail-printed hands 
are being laid on you. And I guarantee you, greater is he that's in you than anything that will come against you. Amen? And sometimes, and I don't mean to be weird, sometimes feeling. I can, when, I, when I'm, if I'm, Tiz said, Tiz will say, somebody just text us, we need this, and, and I'll pray, and I'll put my hands on your face. You're not there, you're at your house, or, and I can feel it. So when we're praying, sometimes feel the touch of God on you. Feel, the, feel God's hands on you. Because we're two or three are gathered together, whether we're gathered here and there or gathered here and here. He is here in the midst of us. How many realize that? Say, well, Pastor, you really think Jesus is here? Oh, I know he's here. And sometimes I, just, I need to feel him. Is, is that okay? Sometimes you need to feel him when you, when you're, when you're, you know, when, when Tiz was sick in the hospital and, and I'm at home and it, I, I'd start praying for her and I could feel her face. I could feel, I can feel it right now. I can feel it right now. I can feel that anointing. God wants you to feel that anointing. How old are your children? Lift your hands towards me. I want you to feel the anointing of God. And as you feel it, feel it in your hands. How many have children that need to be saved? There's another lady. Where was that? They had your children. Lift your hands towards me. I wasn't meaning to go this way. Feel it. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. As you feel that, how many need children saved? How many need children saved? Lift your hands this way. Feel the anointing in your hands and from your hands to your child's face. They can be two years old or 25 years old. Doesn't matter. Feel that anointing. Father, we break every yoke that keeps our children. Oh, there it is right there. We break every spirit. I break every curse. Father, I release the angels of God on our children and our grandchildren that aren't saved. Father, I have the angels of God interfere with relationships that would keep them from their relationship with Christ. Let that relation be severed right now. Oh, can you feel that? Can you feel that? In the name of look, look at me a second. If your children, if you have adult children and they're not saved... You pray, God, break any contact with the wrong people that would keep that. And bring in contact. Let the angels of God, you know, every, every Christian has ministering spirits, ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. We have angels. Am I getting too spiritual on you? We have angels. Your children have angels. Release them. To, let's say, let's say, um, let's say Derek's parents are calling him him and, and, and I'm someone that's hindering, hindering him from coming back to church or receiving Christ. We send our angels and our angels and they push that, they push those people away. Do you, do you understand? Can you feel that? They, they push, 
They put they don't harm those people, but they push them out of the way. They push them out of the way. That's how I got saved. God put me in with God separated me from the wrong people and brought the right people to my life. Now those people tried to come back. They 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 drove 2000 miles to find me. But the angels of God, the presence of the Lord, the, the anointing of God. Amen. Amen. Healing in your body. Who needs a healing? Who needs a healing? Wherever you need a healing, place your hand where that healing is. I would do that, but I want to. I, I can't do that for your sake and for mine. Anybody else need a healing? Anybody with something like? I'm not even going to say it today. It doesn't matter if it's a pain in your knee or if it's cancer. Do you understand? Doesn't matter if it's a pain in your knee. This lady right here in the gold, ma'am, God's going to bring people your way. And you're going to lay hands on them. They're going to be healed. Okay, lift your hands towards me here. Receive this. You, they're going to be healed. You're going to, you're going to, God is going to begin to answer your prayers and it's going to draw it's more than just the healing that's going to take place it's more than just the marriage that's going to be saved it's more than just just the the person being delivered of drugs those those touch from your hand are going to draw them not only to the healer and the deliverer they're going to draw them to the messiah you receive that father i release that anointing on her right now in the name of jesus in the name of Jesus. Where, anybody in here that are life group leaders? Life group leaders. Lift your hand up, your life group leader. Father, I release miracles in their hands right now. Father, miracles. And on our ushers and greeters, that when, when, look at me, ushers and greeters, life group leaders, people are going to be walking by you in church. People are going to be walking by you in church, and you're going to greet them, and you're going to say, is everything okay? You're going to feel this. You're going to sense it. I, I, when I move in the gifts, I feel it. I just Once you open the gate, you begin to feel it. And people are going to be healed and touched by, uh, by life group leaders, by ushers and greeters. N- not a show, not a, not a showing off. Meekness, gentleness, humility. But they're going to be touched by God before they ever even get in a seat and hear one word that I say or any other preacher says. Father, I release the gifts of the Spirit. I release the power of God. Feel it in your hands. I don't know why I'm doing this for you. I don't normally do this except one-on-one. Feel it in your hands. Father, let them feel that that heaviness in their hands, that heat in their hands, that fire in their hands in the name of Jesus. Let them feel it right now in Jesus' name. Okay, I got two minutes. No, oh, I'm eight minutes over. (laughs) Close your eyes. Let's pray this together. Say this out loud. Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now say this with authority. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. Get out of my body. Get out of my home. 
my family, my finances, my future. I declare in the name and by his blood, I am born again. I am more than a conqueror. I am a child of the living God. Greater is he that's in me than anything that can come against me. I declare my best is yet to come. If you believe that, give the Lord a great big clap offering.